In this episode of Real World Serverless, I finished my conversation with Olaf and Jurek at MoneyU, where we talked about the challenges we're using AWS organization and gaining control of your execution environment across multiple accounts and regions, and how it drove them to develop their own tools that allows you to apply infrastructure as code to managing your AWS accounts as well as your AWS organization. Another challenge I remember we talked about that you had early on was uh, you have so many AWS accounts and it's a pain in the ass to manage, especially with uh, uh, AWS organizations and all these landing zones and stuff. You guys got a special solution to this. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So we, we, I think we started off on the right foot and, th- and th- this is just also timing. But by the time we started to set up our AWS platform, uh, AWS organizations was just out and then we started creating with AWS organization, a different organizational unit where, where we are able to create different development accounts for the different development teams, different production accounts for our production workloads. And then we have a number of shared accounts that do things that are cross-cutting like uh, users or shared services or, or logging. And that really helps us a lot to stay in control, right? Because you, you know you can give uh, users broad permissions on development accounts uh, because there's not going to be any production data in mm-hmm. there. And then on your production accounts, you know that there is probably no need for anyone to log into it. And, and if there is, uh, you know you need to well, look backwards on, on what has happened and perhaps work something back into infrastructure as code and, and have it been patched in the, in the source code. But uh, as a resulting problem, we indeed, we, we have a large number of AWS accounts. And we as the platform team, we provision these accounts and we manage a baseline of resources on uh, all of the accounts within our AWS organization. And that is, uh, I would expect a problem that, uh, that more companies have. And we've seen this, right, uh, with uh, other companies that have been uh, adopting AWS and building a platform and uh, deciding to go with a multi-account setup. So we probably, just like any other company, started to, we started to automate the process. And uh, we started the automated process of creating accounts, but also the, the resource provisioning. We had a V1 solution, which was uh, internally developed, uh, which uh, Cherk and I, we spent a lot of time on making, making sure that all those guardrails were there, making sure that we had all the resources, making sure that we had uh, Route 53 and certificates and uh, cross-account permissions set up properly for all the developers and the production accounts to do their work. At some point, we I think so. The the unit of of scale here or deployment was was a was a task. At at some point in our own framework, we had about 150 tasks, and and we were looking for a new solution to formalize the way we model our AWS organization and formalize the way we model all these these shared resources. And the challenge lay predominantly in cross region and cross account provisioning of resources. Right, uh, for instance. We, we typically deploy a wildcard certificate in our default region, which is Frankfurt, because we do a lot of stuff in Germany. It make, makes a lot of sense. But then if we want to deploy an API gateway or a CloudFront distribution, we also need a wildcard certificate in US East 1, right? In the default AWS region. And then if we want to, but we want to deploy our workload in Frankfurt. So we need to actually know the error end of the certificate in US East 1. 
but we don't want to like manually put that everywhere in parameters or in the scripts or in the in the templates. And so that is an example of, of a of a cross region issue that at some point started to really take take some time. And then, uh, not to speak of the cross-account permissioning, uh, allowing one account or uh, service to access a service in another account, mm-hmm. and, and the complexity that came with that started to take a take a kind of a toll on our team, <laughs> trying to manage that across all those uh, all those accounts, and that basically led to uh, to our well, let's call it V two or formation, which is uh, which is a project now hosted on uh, on GitHub. We've developed most, close to all of it in our in our own time. We we apply it within uh, within the company here. We use it. We are our own users. We have a great time using it, especially since we know the complexity and where we came from. Using our information to manage our AWS organization, but also the resources across all of these accounts, and some process automation that comes with it is a pure joy. We now see other companies also adopting it, which is which is great to see. And uh, we do get a lot of positive feedback. So OrgFormation is a infrastructure as code tool for AWS organizations. So as opposed to having to go into the console and uh, create accounts, uh, set up OUs or service control policies, you have a YAML file, which looks a lot like CloudFormation. It, it has all the same syntax. So it does exclamation mark ref for references, etc., etc where you define your organization, you run the tool, and just like CloudFormation, it will de- detect any changes, right? So if, if you change the name of an organizational unit, it makes sure that the actual resources in AWS reflect that change. Uh, it will create accounts, it will create OUs, it will map accounts into OUs, same goes with service control policies. And then we added a couple of other things that uh, were useful for us, like uh, IAM aliases, password policies you define in a single place, you can uh, apply to your whole organization, support levels, all these things that we use to do either manually or, or through different scripts. We, we put into this model where we can just check it into source control. We can have the tool run it and uh, uh, our resources in AWS will always match that, uh, that model. And, and that helped us tremendously. So interestingly enough, the aim for org formation was never just to be a infrastructure as code tool for AWS organization. The ambition and the, and the reason we started this was to solve the problem of staying in control of all those resources, cross account permissions uh, that we have to manage within each account. And we thought about this quite some time with just experience we had in doing this with, with separate cloud formation scripts and tools that put these scripts together. And if you really fundamentally well want to solve this problem, cloud formation and its syntax is not sufficient, right? Cloud formation runs in the context of a account and a region. And uh, the syntax doesn't allow you to, to create any links or references across different accounts or regions. Mm-hmm. So having the infrastructure of code file for organizations, more than anything, was a stepping stone in being able to include this organization file into CloudFormation templates and then reference parts of your organization from within CloudFormation. So what we did there is a bit like, uh, well, it's a bit like aspect-oriented programming. All of a sudden you have a CloudFormation file which then describes your resources and you get to specify which resources go where. 
any problem as simple as, uh, for instance, a guard duty setup will require you to execute different CloudFormation templates to different accounts. But it's still part of the same problem. You have one master account with member resources for each member, and any member account gets a master resource that needs to point at the master. So using the, using the syntax from CloudFormation and this tool, you can create references to resources in your organization YAML file, so I can pull in the, uh, the account ID from any account by a logical name. Or I can specify a number of accounts that a resource needs to go to. Even the links between these accounts and these resources get translated to parameters and to uh, outputs that then get mapped into each other. And this is, uh, I, I think that with our previous solution and, and 150 tasks, we were really hitting the limit of, of that solution being scalable and useful for, for our purpose. And at, uh, at, at this point, we are, we are still migrating into the new solution. But it's, uh, it definitely gives us a lot better feeling of being in control of all these resources, allowing to reason about these and being able to share these best practices with others. And from a compliance perspective, uh, there's, there's benefits as well, right? Because basically we have the, the software code that can be audited. Uh, we have the definition of our organization in a single YAML file. And so it becomes very easy to say, okay, this is our organization and it can be, it can be verified through the console, but also, uh, the whole process to talk about guard duty, for instance, right? Which is, is a pain to set up through the console. Basically, if, if our policy would be every production account is uh, a member within guard duty, we have a single template that defines that every account in the production organization unit is a guard duty member. So when we add a new account or we create a new account and add it to the production organizational unit, it will automatically uh, become a, a guard duty member. That mechanism is very, we, we, when we create a new account, we have to decide in which unit it goes. And based on that, uh, a whole account baseline is provisioned that includes everything like CloudTrail, aggregated CloudTrail, monitoring, uh, all the config rules that we have, guard duty. And, and we really don't have to think about this. And, and we have a, a an update a log basically that, uh, that describes uh, what the changes were, uh, were made so we can review that. And, and from a compliance perspective, that's, it's very easy because we can always say, look, these are the policies and we can verify that they are applied correctly. Yeah. And, and we put it in source control. We put yeah. pull requests. Uh, we get to review these requests. Yeah. And it all becomes just like any other uh, software development lifecycle. And, and as a result, and, and, th and this is then probably, uh, again, a very ex exciting part of what we're doing, you see all these patterns arise. Like uh, people used to compose software out of different functions and uh, at, at some point you move to AWS, for instance, and then you start to puzzle these different uh, services together. But, but now all of a sudden we have a tool to reason about our software in the context of an entire AWS organization with all the benefits you get from there, right? All the, the, the hard security boundaries, all the uh, account uh, uh, permissions that you, you might have or might not have, uh, limiting the blast radius if something goes wrong in one account, uh, you effectively don't have to worry too much about the others because it's probably going to be contained there. And this is, uh, I find it very exciting. 
And I find that if compared to things like the landing zone, which is okay at creating a new landing zone, a new account, all of that, but then it becomes quite hard to roll out update to the definition of your landing zone. Whereas with something like this, uh, I've, I've been, I'm using it myself for uh, for a client project, and uh, it becomes so easy to say, okay, you know what? As part of our landing zone, we should now have another component. Uh, just be adding to my stack or my definition for my landing zone, and then just run the update task. And off you go. You provision to all the accounts, all the regions according to my organization setup, which is something that's that's really difficult to do without infrastructure as code. Because uh, I've had the same thing with uh, previous companies, whereby it's okay we got this uh, template for a new account, but then once that gets rolled out, it just becomes impossible to update existing accounts. When you want to add a new thing to your landing zone, you just well, good luck. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to create a new account because it's just too difficult to update them. It's it's like these code generation tools yeah. that only go one way, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And this is only one one time offer, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, so if anyone wants to try out the org formation, uh, the link to the repo is going to be available in the show notes. Uh, and there's also going to be a document that shows you all the 50 plus features and some example setups that you can just copy into your new account as well. And also, I don't remember if Olaf mentioned, if you've got an existing organization, you can also just run one command to import that into a YAML file, which you can then start to use that to update your organization and start to manage that using infrastructure as code. So you guys have basically solved this one massive problem that a lot of customers have with AWS when it comes to managing organizations and accounts. Are there any other areas where AWS can do a much better job, where you'll make your life a lot easier as a developer and as an architect? One thing in particular that we've experienced a couple of times in, in the last year or so is that our approach is infrastructure as code, period, where there's nothing we're going to do manual because we're call us lazy. Um, it just doesn't work and it doesn't scale. You keep forgetting and stuff breaks. The CloudFormation support for some AWS features is somewhat lacking behind and are doing a great job. And I mean, it's very reliable. They have awesome features like Stack Drift, which we, which we use, for instance, as well. Uh, but it, it is sometimes lacking behind and, and that is something that AWS could definitely improve on. I think AWS's strength is, is uh, sometimes also its weakness. They're, they're, they have a really fast turnaround in, in, in new features. They, they come up with a lot of new services. Uh, but sometimes there's like little things that just don't work as smooth as you would like to, for instance. I don't know, like it's probably solved by now, but things like using um, a universal second factor on the CLI. And it's it's just these little things that you could expect to be there that might not be there that sometimes take away a little bit from the joy. But then again, they probably wouldn't be able to put out these services in the same pace as they, they're doing at the moment if they would have to worry about all the specific use cases. Yeah, and another one that, uh, so along that similar line is uh, in terms of uh, AWS strength also become its own weakness is that uh, there's so much inconsistency between different teams, APIs, contracts, documentations, you name it. There's just so many just weird little inconsistencies that things have been named differently, different casing. Things that exist in one API but not another just drives you nuts, especially when you try to build a lot of these tools on top of some of the AWS services. Another thing you mentioned about the infrastructure code and the CloudFormation not being well supported, the documentation on AWS it just also drives me nuts as well. 
they talk about infrastructure as a code all the time, but then tutorials is always go to the console, go to this screen, click a button. Yes. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> so yeah, this is one of the things. Uh, if you if you go to one of these tutorials on AWS, then it, it, it starts with, well, in this example, we use 11111 as the account this, and 222 right. as the other account, and 323 as the third account. And then you have bits and pieces of, of, of CloudFormation that you just have to piece together. Yeah. I would love to make all those examples into into our formation. Oh, formation, yeah. And 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 you 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 get a best practice that you can package in a single template. You can share with someone else. You have logical account names. Yeah, there's probably lots of ground to cover. Lots of room for improvement. But on the whole, they've been making our lives very very easy and and exciting. So. And especially also looking at the operational part. We've been using their security features. IAM is one of the key features that nobody talks about uh, that much, but is kind of the glue that makes it possible to use this in a responsible way. Least privilege is one of our core principles. And uh, we've been able to, especially with our, our new tooling, be able to set this up and really live up to this, uh, this principle. And features like KMS as well and customer managed keys, Two other services from Amazon that are really worth to look at if you work within, say, financial services or any other highly regulated industries. Uh, AWS Config, uh, which is there to uh, define policies and rules as to what compliant resources are, continuously monitor these and and, and get reports of these, and uh, and of course CloudTrail. These are very important services in our setup. Uh, these are these are the cornerstones in, in how we build our platform in a compliant way. Yeah, certainly I think uh, IEM is a really underappreciated service, especially when you look at, I don't know if you guys have spent much time with Azure. So access management on, on Azure, especially for Azure functions, is just crazy. I've, I, I used to work for Microsoft. <laughs> and I love Microsoft, and I, I love all my ex-colleagues from Microsoft. And, yeah, and I'll be sure I, to edit that out. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I do think uh, I am and uh, CloudTrail is also CloudTrail is just so powerful. There's so many things you can do with it. Just not just in terms of uh, security monitoring, but also just a lot of DevOps automation you can do with uh, CloudTrail. Yeah. CloudWatch event and Lambda, just so yeah. much stuff that I used to have to do myself. Now I just write a simple function, bang, every time something gets created, I do something. Yeah, EventBridge nowadays is actually just a, a, a layer on top of uh, CloudWatch events, right? But uh, anything you would like to automate upon, uh, there's a lot of events that you already have, and, and, and sometimes you just create your own. Uh, it's a great mechanism to extend processes and do process automation. Yeah. Yeah, one of the key features that uh, that uh, we also that that allows us to really uh, tie everything down and plug all the all the holes is is the permission boundaries, which yeah. is also a, a, a very powerful feature uh, of, of AWS IAM that really like closes the the loophole, so to speak. Anything we can do to sleep better, we yeah. we we embrace. Yes, <laughs> and, and permission boundaries <laughs> is one of them. Right? Yes. And for people that have not heard of permission boundaries, please look it up because um, if you want to stay in control of your AWS accounts, then then this is definitely one of the ways to do so. So for those of you who have never heard of it, uh, it's basically a way for you to say uh, IAM roles cannot create IAM roles that are more permissive than itself, uh, which is, again is a common loophole that people worry about that once the function gets compromised, then you can potentially just get admin access uh, by creating new IAM roles that you can uh, you can assume. Uh, I guess another thing to worth looking at for IAM is uh, looking at really understanding 
the conditions you can apply, which is another, I guess, really deep and really advanced feature that you get with IEM. But again, not that often the, uh, understood and used uh, properly. Um, so we're coming up to the hour mark and really want to thank you guys for spending the time to talk to me today. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience? Maybe um, how do they find you on the internet? Is, uh, is money you still hiring maybe? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think uh, we're always open to uh, new brilliant and talented developers that want to uh, join us in our calls. So yeah, so in that case, thank you guys again. I uh, hope to see you guys around. Yeah, you too. Keep up the good work and we'll be listening to your podcast. <laughs> thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that's it for another episode of Real World Serverless. Thank you guys again for joining us for this wonderful conversation with Olaf and Jarek at MoneyU. To find the show notes and the transcript for this episode, please go to realworldserverless.com. I'll see you guys next time.